What's up, everything? Well, much like the Blues golf clubs, the NHL playoffs are in full swing. Two teams have advanced, and six series are still being played. We'll touch on all the playoffs goings-on, and then we'll dive deep into some Blues offseason discussion, answering some of your questions from Reddit in the process. It's going to be a fun episode, so let's get started, and let's go Blues! This is the Two Guys No Cup podcast. We're coming to you live from our rich and luxurious studio in a Red Hill mining town outside of Joshua Tree, California. That's a a deep cut reference for all you U2 fans out there. Uh, Is it an abandoned mine? It's an abandoned mining town. I guess. I mean, I think there are people there in the song. But but maybe it's been abandoned now. Because I just (laughs) learned that it was written about a strike in England, so it's nowhere near Joshua Tree, California. But oh well. (laughs) You get the reference, people. Or you don't, and you're just like, please shut up and get on with the podcast. Uh, It is April 19th. 2018, I am here with Ian Peters, the wonderful and talented Ian Peters. How are you doing tonight, Ian? I'm doing fantastic. I love playoff hockey. Yeah, it's wonderful. uh, Even when the Blues aren't in it. I've got mixed feelings about that. It's weirdly better when the Blues aren't in it. It is. It's worse, but when the Blues are in it, I'm not really watching other teams. Because I've got like all I can handle every two days. Like I gotta recover. I got to not shave. It's a lot of (laughs) stuff. Oh, that's right. You know, so. We're allowed to shave. (laughs) So I'm glad, I'm not glad that we're not in it, but it is a little interesting to watch a playoffs that we're not in where I care. Because like the last time the Blues weren't in the playoffs, I wasn't nearly the hockey fan I am now, just in terms of intensity and awareness and, you know, recording a podcast about the NHL every week. So It saves us the heartbreak. Yeah. I've already read stuff that wild fans are writing online and <laughs> it's just it, I feel for them because it sounds like what blues fans normally sound like and I was like wow I don't have to deal with that yeah this year that's kind of nice it's a nice little break I really hope we get the return this year of those uh obituaries that I think SB Ooh, Nation yeah, yeah. did last year where they had rival teams SB Nation page write the obituary obituary for a team season in the playoffs because those were delightful, and if they come around this year, we'll definitely bring them to you. Uh, some of the highlights, I think, as I read For them. Sure. Uh, so it is uh, the middle of the playoff hunt, and we'll get to discussing that. Uh, but I thought I'd touch on first some a little bit of league news, mostly a couple of coaches that have been fired. Uh, on Tuesday, I think it was kind of a, a surprise late announcement that Gwen Gullitson of the Calgary Flames had been fired. Uh, he was, I think, only finishing his second season as their head coach, uh, which is as, not, as many sticks as he threw into the stands this year. That was him, right, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, in his faux outrage outbursts. Um, what do you think about this firing? Did you think it was the right time? Calgary obviously had a really rough disappointing season where they finished outside of the playoffs again and it's weird you'd think they'd have more talent than that but they apparently don't 
Yeah, I think Flames fans are kind of happy that he's already gone. Uh, pulling the trigger after two years always seems slightly early, but mm-hmm. it's also probably enough that you have a body of work. Mm-hmm. I think he helped them play better defensively, although obviously not great because they still are on the outside looking in. Yeah, they need somebody there that's willing to sort of let them run with their offensive horses. Yeah. Guys like Goudreau and Monaghan. I mean, You've you want to teach Johnny them. Johnny Goudreau yeah. and no <laughs> other example. I was happy to remember... Sean, Sean Monahan. Monahan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They've got they've got players. They've got that Kachuk kid. He's mm. all great and grody and gross these days. Um I think they just need a I don't know. I mean Glengaltson's a young guy, but they need a coach with a younger mind, someone yeah. that's maybe like a more current sort of strategy coach. Mm. Yeah, and I think as we go forward it'll be interesting to talk about teams other than the Blues and their needs going into the uh Deadline mm-hmm. or into the draft and free agent period. I think for the Flames, it feels like the biggest need is just kind of a, a direction and an identity because mm-hmm. they have Johnny Gaudreau. On the strength of that alone, they should be somewhat better than this, you mm-hmm. would think. And they have some good players there, but they can't seem to put it all together. Uh, and Gullitson wasn't helping. I wonder, I mean, I, I wonder if Flames fans feel the way about Glenn Gullitson that a lot of Blues fans feel about Mike Yo right now, where mm-hmm. it's kind of that feeling that he's not terrible, but you just are already feeling like he's not the guy to like get you over the hump. I was going to say, I think the way you describe the Flames, they've got a lot of good pieces, mm-hmm. pieces that you look at and you go, how come you know this team should be better than what they are? That's how I feel about the Blues. I think there's just a lot of mirror image between yeah. these two. Yeah, I wonder if if Yo had had two full seasons that ended like this season did, if, whether or not he'd still be here. We'll probably th- talk about it a lot, but I think if they even start out real poorly next year, uh, I think that's hot seat for him and Armstrong. I would I would tend to agree. Uh, we'll talk about it. This was the first year in like forever, I think, since maybe the original six that no NHL head coaches were fired during the actual course of the season and uh, that led many to believe that a whole bunch would be fired after the season but it's it's been a slow trickle and there have only been three uh, so far the other firing is uh, of course Elaine Vigneault from the New York Rangers who was fired on April 8th uh, I can't remember if we mentioned this last week or not so forgive us if we're retreading old ground but he not a surprise that he's gone I don't think um, but I I I can't decide if he's a good coach or not. I think a lot of people can't mm-hmm. decide if he's a good coach or not. But I think he's probably better than he's getting credit for in New I York. I think so. Um, but the way they went this season uh, is not a surprise that he's gone. And I wouldn't at all be surprised necessarily to see him fill the Calgary vacancy or uh, the vacancy that opened in uh, Dallas this week when Ken Hitchcock officially announced his retirement from the NHL. So Hitchcock was signed last season, uh, and the idea was that he would coach until he decided to retire, and then he would uh, move transition right into a front office role, which I assume he is now doing. Uh, But he spent only one season coaching the Stars. Maybe if he'd gotten to the playoffs, that would have been longer who knows, uh, but he decided to call it uh, after this season. He finished, uh, th- he finishes third on the all-time coaches winning list. He passed Al Arbor this year, which I imagine is part of why he uh, 
laced them up again, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, because he was only a couple wins shy of that, I think, when we canned him I last year. I think it was year. like three or four, yeah. yeah. Um, so he trails only Joel Quinville. Uh, he has 823 wins. Quinville has 884. And then the uh, legendary and insurpassable Scotty Bowman has 1,244, which I'm pretty confident no one will ever catch. <laughs> that's insane. I mean, if Quinville is still roughly 400 shy of Scotty Bowman, that's pretty incredible. Uh, this season also put him past Dave Tippett, ironically, to become uh, the winningest Stars head coach in history. Um, he That includes the North Stars. I went back and did my research, folks. Uh, he had like 270 wins with the Stars or something. He won a President's Trophy uh, with the Stars in 98 and 99, obviously won the Stanley Cup in 99, despite the fact that Brett Hall's skate was in the crease. Oh, uh, we'll talk about that. Undoubtedly. Oh, will we? Oh, yeah. uh, and then... <laughs> a uh, couple of years too late. <laughs> they, they won, just a few. They won the Western Conference again in 2000, but did not win the Stanley Cup. Uh, they won, he then won 125 games with the Blue Jackets, which puts him two behind Todd Richards for the winningest Blue Jackets coach in history, and he trails only Quinville in St. Louis uh, among winningest coaches with 248 Blues wins to Quinville's 301. So that's a pretty impressive career. He also coached uh, the Flyers for a period, but was like fifth or sixth on their winningest. Mm-hmm. So who cares? <laughs> um, he won the Jack Adams Award. Uh, this was a cool thing for me to go back and remember. He won the Jack Adams Award in 2011-2012, which was his first season with the Blues, replacing Davis Payne. Uh, he took over on November 6th, so a full month into the season, and Davis Payne had been struggling for that whole first month. We were real bad. We were like three and eight or something when he took over. And he made us, which this really impressed me, he made us the first team in the NHL to pass 100 points that year, which, Mm -hmm. considering the start we had, is pretty incredible. Um, He carried us to second place overall in the Western Conference behind uh, the Canucks, who was that the year they went to the Stanley Cup? What year was that, 2012? No, not, not that That was one. the year after. That maybe. was the year before. I year think. before, okay. Uh, and um, in any case, uh, rightfully won that Jack Adams Award, I think. We all mm-hmm. kind of expected that at the time. So a legendary coaching career. He'll go into the Hall of Fame, no question. Lock, stock, and barrel. Do you have anything to add about any of these coach firings? <laughs> and what would you say the percentage likelihood that Elaine Vigneault fills one of these positions is? Oh, very high. <laughs> Unless there's another firing that's coming down the line, I'm guessing he goes to one of those two. The knock against Vigneault is always that he plays veterans over kids. Mm-hmm, which but is you all know, coaches. Yeah, that's exactly the thing. It's like I, I complain about that too, but... That seems to be every coach ever, because, I mean, they kind of want to... The whole point is to win. Right. And sometimes you're going to win with what you know you have versus mm-hmm. that unknown quantity in a young kid. Um, so I'm sure you'll find another coaching position. The Rangers just didn't have it this year. Yeah. And they've just never been able to get over the hump. I don't know if any coach was necessarily going to help mm-hmm. them with that. Um, I would guess he goes to Dallas. That'd be my guess. I don't really see him as a fit for Calgary. And to Hitchcock, I'm just I'm glad he was a coach here. I mm-hmm. think he really turned this. I mean, it wasn't the darkest days for this team, 
before he came, but it was relatively middling for sure. We were had barely emerged from the yeah, exactly. Days, so the very yeah, least. we were still squinting. We were the like sun. in the mouth of the cave. <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, and he got us right out of there. We became a perennial playoff team. Of, I'd say a cup contender. You kind of forget that for a little while there, even though we lost in the first round or got uh, you know, 2-0 on a team and then got reverse-sweeped four games in a row. Um, we were thought of as a cup contender, like a legitimate cup contender for a couple of years mm-hmm. there. I don't necessarily know if I ever bought it that hard. But I definitely bought it more back then than I do now. Yeah. There were some years there, even barring the year that we made it to the conference finals, mm-hmm. where I thought, man, I think this team might have it when Chris Stewart was looking really good. And all, all those teams where mm-hmm. T. Joshi was playing well, and you kind of forgot about the playoffs of the past year or two in the back of your mind. You're like, wow, we could do it. And I don't know if I feel that way necessarily recently. So, I mean, he brought that to this team. Yeah. And so I'm forever grateful for that. He's a guy that just wears out his welcome. And I think a lot of coaches do. They just kind of drag on people. So that's the norm of the the business. There's no secret that Ken Hitchcock is uh, a handful, personally. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I want to clarify in interviews and everything, he's been a perfect gentleman. He's not like a toxic. He's pretty funny for an interview. Yeah, he's not like a toxic human being. But he expects a lot out of his players. He works them really hard. And we all know that by the end of his time here, especially after after David Backus... Uh, who maybe functioned as something of a buffer? Oh, for sure. Uh, left, he was he was not popular in the clubhouse. That's not a knock on Hitch or the players, really. It's just natural. Uh, I think it happens over time. But yeah, there's certainly no no hard feelings or bitterness uh, about his tenure here whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I hope he has a wonderfully enjoyable and successful retirement if he decides to stay retired, which you never know with him. He really. Really loves coaching. <laughs> so uh, so moving on to a couple of league signings. Uh, well, two we have to talk about. One more for humor than anything. But uh, not to make fun of him, because congratulations to him. The Blues' very own former uh, young Jordan Kyrie-like prospect, Ty Ratty, signed a one-year deal with uh, the Edmonton Oilers. A one-year extension after... Uh, he ended up playing some top-line minutes with Connor McDavid this year and scoring some goals for them, so they decided to give him another year and see how he'd do, and I guess I'm happy for him. I'm sure he's making league minimum, but league minimum's a lot more than I'm making, so good for him. <laughs> uh, and then the other one that we never touched on from a few weeks back uh, is that Auntie Ranta uh, signed a contract extension with the Coyotes valued at three years uh, for $12.75 million, which is an annual average value of $4.25 million, not $400 million. That would be uh, a real drain on your salary cap. <laughs> um, good for Ranta. Uh, I'm a little surprised considering they also signed a similar deal with Darcy Kemper. I guess Kemper's was a little smaller, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're going to look to trade one of those guys or if they just want them to be a 1A, 1B situation. Uh, I don't don't know what Arizona's doing at any point. And I don't think they do either. But we'll see. Uh, We'll see. I think Ronta's a good goalie. I was kind of hoping 
Uh, he'd hit free agency, so the Blues might have him as an option if they could rid themselves of uh, Jake Allen, but that is not going to be the case. Uh, probably neither of those things will be the case, but certainly not uh, Ante Ranta coming to the Blues. So uh, that's all the signings that have happened so far. I've been talking a lot. Do you have anything you'd like to add at the moment? I know nothing about signings. <laughs> How long has Ranta signed? Three sign? years for $12.75 million, Okay. So which will take him to like 31 or 32. He's a little older yeah. than I would have thought. I could see them doing a 1A, 1B thing. Yeah. That seems like a very stats-heavy thing that team would do that seems to function on nothing but yeah. like the saber metrics of hockey, if you will. Yeah, and neither of those guys are making an absurd amount of money. You know, if you've got like $7 million locked into your goalies plural that's yeah. no more than like you know the uh predators or the you know mm-hmm. rangers or whoever have great goalies obviously the canadians are paying their one goalie a lot more than that so that's not the end <laughs> just of the hope world. that you don't have a niemi letnan situation yeah. like dallas yeah. where it's just like both your high-paid goalies are terrible yeah. <laughs> uh kind of a situation that the uh hurricanes have right now too with Scott Darling. Oh yeah. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about what some Blues prospects are doing in their respective playoffs. I know you have some things to say about mm-hmm. Robert Thomas, but uh, I'll just kind of run through these, and then you can focus on yeah. who you want to focus on. Jordan Cairo uh, took the Sarnia Sting to the second round of the playoffs. I know he had a, a good. A, a little injury situation yeah. there, so he didn't finish with that many points. But uh, they took, they made the second round. They were eliminated, but it was a great playoff for him. Uh, Thomas has currently 15 points and a plus five rating uh, through two rounds, and he and the Hamilton Bulldogs are in the OHL Eastern Conference Final. Uh, I believe um, Jordan, both Cairo and Robert Thomas have been named finalists for the OHL's Most Outstanding Player Award, uh, so that's obviously a huge honor for either of them. The OHL is kind of considered the more the most competitive junior league, so. right? Them and the WHL kind of yeah. neck and neck for that, maybe. Uh, Evan, Evan Fitzpatrick, who is a uh, goalie prospect, uh, has helped the titan of the QMJHL to the semifinals. Uh, I'm sure they have a city name that's very French. <laughs> um, I got to look it up, but... I probably won't be able to pronounce it anyway. Jean-Baptiste. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, they have a sh- He had a shutout in Game 3 of the series and 28 saves in Game 4 and became a player of the week. Uh, Billy Huso was named to the AHL All-Rookie Team after, point no- after a .922 save percentage in 38 games this year with the Rampage. Uh, so that's good for him. Tanner Kaspik finished his WHL season uh, with... Uh, 64 points. He, he spent time as the captain of the Brandon Wheat Kings this year, which is a pretty big honor because I think they're a really well-regarded um, WHL team. My favorite WHL team. There you go. For Ian's that silly favorite. name. <laughs> uh, and then uh, he moved sometime midseason to the Victoria Royals. There are trades in junior hockey leagues, folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then uh, he has now been assigned to the Manitoba Moose of the AHL, I do not know whose AHL affiliate they are. Off the, the Winnipeg top. Jets. That's what I would have yeah. guessed. Um, so he's playing for them in the AHL playoffs. <laughs> uh, Jordan Bennington is also still with the Providence Bruins, and they're in the AHL playoffs. And then we have some players still with the Wolves, uh, who are in the playoffs as well. 
uh, the Rampage, I do not think qualified for the mm. AHL playoffs. I, I can't remember who I tweeted this out to, but someone was saying that they were happy that our AHL situation would be solved next year. Mm-hmm. And I tweeted back to him. I was like, you know... I saw this. I yeah, like this. I was like, you know... It's going to be really weird when all of our prospects are in one place. And I was like, you know what? Did I say weird? I mean very normal. <laughs> the norm. Yeah, because it's so weird that I knew Bennington was in Providence for the Bruins, for their AHL team. But the fact that we can just assign these guys kind of willy-nilly. Uh-huh. We have some dude on, you know, we got, what, Capsick on the Manitoba Moose? Yeah. Like, okay, sure. Do you need Do you need a player? We have them. You can just have who you want for the rest. For like the it's next weird that of days. the AHL allows that. That's what's very strange to me. Like you can just add a player at the playoffs from another organization. Yeah. Sure, whatever. Uh, the Titaner, by the way, from Katie Bathurst is how oh, I would Lord. say it in English, but I'm sure <laughs> I'm very sure it's very different in French. Probably Acadie Bathurst or something. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but there you go. You've heard me butcher French for the day. Uh, what did you have to add about prospects and such? I just had a few stats. Um, Robert Thomas, after that one game they've played in the, I guess, their Eastern Conference Finals mm-hmm. against the Kingston Frontenacs, uh, he had a couple other, a couple more points. The Plaza Frontenacs. I know. I knew. I knew we were gonna say something about Plaza Frontenac. <laughs> I knew it. Uh, in eleven games played, he leads the team in points with eighteen, six goals, and twelve assists. Uh, one of them eighteen a, now. Yeah. So 18 did he points. get three in that game? I guess. Yeah. That's crazy. I think he has a shorthanded goal. He's got a power play goal. That's kind of nice to see him on both units. Mm-hmm. Uh, well-rounded player. He leads the team in face-off attempts with 255 and face-off percentage at 53.3. So another really nice mark for someone that we expect to play. Hope is going to stay and stick at center for mm-hmm. us. Face-off percentage is pretty good. And, uh, yeah, they lead the Kingston Front next 1-0 in that OHL semifinals. Uh, Jordan Kyrie, like you had mentioned... So he, sorry to interrupt, no, but he is on pace, I would think, to win whatever the uh, OHL equivalent of the Con Smythe is if they continue to be this successful, mm-hmm. which would be a really cool honor. Yeah. I'm sure it will be something that Pierre Maguire will quote at us for the next 12 to 15 years if Robert Thomas is a blue for that long. Oh, yeah. Remember, he was on the London Knights and then traded to the Hamilton Bulldogs, so you'll hear that, I'm sure, oh, baby. 20, 30 times. With the names of the coaches of the oh, respective yeah. teams and what they liked about his game <laughs> and what they had for lunch on the day he was traded and uh, what kind of cell phone they were using. <laughs> He's got a... Pierre would have to say, like, the coach of the Hamilton Bulldogs, whose name is John Well Baptiste, and we know we know that guy. And then they yeah. just keep talking, like, we know him what? We, what do yeah. I know about him? <laughs> I don't know jack about this guy, Pierre. Um, Jordan Cairo only had four points in his 12 games. Like you had mentioned, some injury struggles, three goals, one assist. But it should be noted that Sarnia, kind of a lot like, I guess, would be equivalent to like the Avs, are super-duper top-heavy. The rest of their team, second, third, fourth line, is just kind of middling. So they could essentially just focus on Jordan Cairo. Uh-huh. And they should have because he was third overall in points this season in the OHL with 101. So that just that was going ha- to happen either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, those are the two that I really wanted to touch on. I think Robert Thomas, this is... it's. I've tried and pump the brakes I, every time I see anything on Nothing indicates that you should, but I want to. Like, uh, I know I, I should, but everything I hear is like, don't. Like, we're going to Disney World. I can see Disney World be at, fully at any torqued. moment. 
my parents are going to U-turn it, and yeah. we're not going to go to Disney yeah. World anymore. But you're I can go, see it. Yeah. You're going to go to friggin' the nature reserves, and it's like, eh. Yeah, I mean, eh. Yeah, crocodiles. Coffin. Yawn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, it's, it's time now for us to debut a segment uh, for the next two months that will be a very important segment, which Ian created but doesn't know that we're oh, doing. Oh, now, now I know. Which is Tavares Watch 2018. <laughs> we're going to have music, don't worry we'll, about it. We'll get it, for sure. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's trademarked. <laughs> most recent comments, the most common comments he's made have been, I hope it works out, <laughs> and I've never wanted to leave, which to me are the comments you make uh, to brace your fans for the fact that you are for sure leaving, mm-hmm. and it for sure is not working out. Uh, I, I think at the moment uh, it's not very likely that he stays in uh, n- New York, wherever they are. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say like... 20%. It's it's very well known and widely discussed that he wants to win, which is true of all players. He's got to know that's not happening in New York at this point. Mm-hmm. They haven't done crap to build any sort of team around him this entire time. And every other franchise that has that caliber of a franchise player has at least tried you know, I mean, that's the weird thing. They've never just gone. They for didn't it. even keep Kyle Ocposo. Like they didn't. <laughs> they haven't tried. I mean, at least Edmonton. You say what you will about the Milan Lucic deal, and it was terrible. And I will say that a lot. But like Edmonton's <laughs> at least stabbing at things, probably too wildly and stupidly. But they're at least like we got to do something. We got Connor McDavid, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but Very true. but uh, Kyle Ocposo got to walk to that other northeastern dumpster fire, the <laughs> Buffalo Sabers. Oh, we're gonna. Get who we'll to talk them. about later. Uh, so, obviously, he wants to win. There's chatter around the league, according to Arthur Staple of The Athletic, uh, that the n- magic number for Tavares is $88 million, which seems kind of low. <laughs> uh, he says that works out to seven m- years at $12.6 million, uh, or eight or whatever. I didn't do the math, but I would think I he'd think, want a higher dollar value. I think eight's weird in that like there's some rule where it's only the Islanders can give him eight. Oh, yeah. He said that, yeah. or he said that the Islanders would add an eight. So yeah, I guess seven. I don't know the why match. they decided that, but whatever. Who knows? It's a weird NHL thing. Maybe it. Maybe the goal was to give like the home team a, an advantage oh, in keeping them. Good but, point. Uh, in any case, uh, Arthur Staple says sitting here now, two plus months from the sweepstakes, there are a couple teams that stand out: the Sharks. Who had the cap space and the winning te- and the winning pedigree to appeal to Tavares and the Golden Knights, whose surprising first season keeps getting more and more interesting. Uh, I think those are two names I've heard a lot. The Golden Knights obviously tried to make a big splash at the trade deadline when they were the uh, most vocal, hottest suitor for Eric Carlson. Uh, I think they probably are, are miles out front of anything they expected. Even though I'm sure McPhee would talk a big game if he was asked about it this was not the plan at all and so I think they probably have a lot of desire to get a star in there to kind of make the face of their franchise going forward Uh, much as I love Jonathan Mercer so he's not quite that Mm -hmm. um so I could see the Vegas is an interesting option they obviously have gads of cap space and then the Sharks is just a name I've heard commonly enough I think the only question is are you really going to lure a guy that's from Toronto and has been 
in New York his whole playing career all the way out to the West Coast for mm-hmm. either of those teams. I don't know if I believe that, but it's possible. You never know. Um, Jeremy Rutherford kind of went on for a while about this uh, in one of his mailbags. He said, as much as the Blues need Tavares, even if he wants to come here, there's going to be a breaking point with the salary. He's a $12 million a year player, and we'll get that. The Blues know that they would have to pay that even if... Uh, even to be in the picture, but that would cut things pretty close even with an increase in cap. Joel Edmondson is going to cost $3 million, and Fabry Brodziak and the backup goalie are probably all going to cost about $1 million. So that's a $6 million... So that's $6 million right there. So hypothetically, let's say the Blues are $17 million under the cap after the increase, giving Tavares around $12 million would seem to be the tipping point. In that scenario, you're talking about spending to the projected new cap, which puts you around $79 to $80 million. Uh, is still uncomfortable with that. Ownership has shown a willingness to spend to the ceiling so far, but we haven't seen uh, the ceiling this high, so it remains to be seen. Uh, a couple of interesting things I draw from that. The one thing I noticed in there uh, was he talked about Fabry Brodziak and the backup goalie probably costing around $1 million, which to me means that he does not see Carter Hutton being the backup goalie, which is kind of interesting because uh, there's no way Hutton sign him for that little unless there's just no interest mm-hmm. in him in the free agent market. And even if there wasn't, I think we'd owe him a little more than that out of respect. Um, The other thing that I'm kind of interested by, and I'm not reading, I don't read too much into this, I guess would be my injunction, but I know Armstrong talked about uh, his freedom to trade, to sign anybody basically in trade pieces if he had to clear room. And it doesn't seem like JR's, allowing a lot of room for that, and I don't think that necessarily means it couldn't happen, uh, but I wonder if he doesn't expect Doug Armstrong to get as creative as maybe Doug Armstrong has indicated that he might mm-hmm. be able to get, uh, and we'll talk about that more later and certainly as the ceiling went on. Uh, so I guess to end this discussion for now, I saw Joey Palazzola on uh, Twitter give five teams that he thought... Tavares would land with. I think they were the Knights, Sharks, and the Blues, and then Vancouver was one and Florida was the other, which I, I like Joey. I think both of those are insane, but, <laughs> you know, due respect to him. He, yeah. he knows more than I do. Uh, I would I would probably swap those two out for Toronto and New York mm-hmm. as safety valves. Um, but who would you say are the five teams you think he – was most likely to land with. We should add, by the way, and I'm sure you'll mention this, that he's really close friends with Petrangelo. Yeah. So that may be uh, a a big factor in the Blues' favor. So what would your five teams be right now if you had to make odds? The Blues. um, I'll just throw that. And that's it? And that's it. That's 100%. Um, I'll throw out the Islanders. I don't think he's going to stay on the island or not the island, wherever the hell they play now. Yeah. Um, the Blues, San Jose, I could see, because San Jose feels like a team that's kind of old and has mm-hmm. a bunch of new kids slowly coming up, and they kind of need that leader because eventually, I don't know, Pavelski's going to be gone or they something They need somebody like that. to center Melker Carlson, baby. Yeah, exactly. Melker Carlson, who's still alive after the Corey <laughs> Perry hit on him, knocked his gourd off. Um yeah, Sharks, Blues, Toronto, because I think Toronto's just making a run at them. Mm-hmm. I think possibly the Canadians, because Mark Bergevin's insane, mm-hmm. and he'll just do it, because he's like, I lost 
P.K. Subban. I mean, I didn't lose them. I traded them. <laughs> but I need something else now. For yeah. free. I did that, but he'll be angry that he did it. Yeah. Um, so those four... Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. I That's know what... That's Amar Bergevin says. <laughs> I'll toss in, yeah, St. Louis, San Jose, Toronto, Montreal, and I'll toss in the real gross one because I think they're going to try somehow. Uh, the National Predators. I refuse. I've heard of just a few things, not like rumblings, I, not I, like in the not in the organization. But I've heard people go, you know, they could make a trade here and there, and then fit them in, and then that'd be a, a stacked team. And I was like, that's already stacked. I don't need. Oh God, I don't need that. I refuse it. It's possible, but I refuse it. I'd probably just stare at a wall uh, for an hour. <laughs> so that is the end of Tavares Watch Twenty Eighteen for mm-hmm. this episode of the podcast. Um. We have playoffs to talk about, finally. I thought we'd get here a lot sooner. Uh, The Vegas Golden Knights. Let's talk about what happens in Vegas. Uh, The Vegas Vegas Golden Knights swept the Los Angeles Kings in four games, uh, despite Jonathan Quick posting an incredible .947 save percentage. Uh, they won game one, one to nothing. They won two to one in second overtime in game two. Uh, they won, what was it, 3-2, to two, I think, in Game 3, and then one to nothing again in the final game uh, to be the first team that advanced to the second round. They tweeted uh, earlier in the week, which is, I think, the tweet of the week. So we'll give it, we'll give it right now. It's the hockey tweet of the week, <laughs> certified by Two Guys No Cup podcast. Uh, they gave that, t- uh, they said something like, it's lonely over here in round two when they were the only team in round two by like two days. And it was much liked and retweeted. So congratulations to them. Um, What do you think about that series? I guess let's start there. What do you think about that series? It was confusing just because I thought, I thought it was going to go to seven games. That's what I predicted. I think that's what you predicted too. We both thought Vegas would take it. It's weird. And I, I mean, not to interrupt, it's weird and oddly reminiscent of our series last year, although that went five, but it's weird when it's a four game series that was like razor close, Mm -hmm. you know, like all one goal games and LA could have won any or all of those games, Mm -hmm. you know, it, they were really close. I think one of the things that sort of decided... Well, there's a couple of things that sort of separated those two teams. Because obviously, one team got swept. And even though they were close, I think there's still a reason mm. that LA got swept and wasn't able to put you know, a single game together. Mm. A single win. Um, I think Flurry played amazing. I know all props to Jonathan Quick, because that performance in any other series wins you the series. And the cons. Yeah, yeah, more <laughs> or less. Uh, Fleury had a .977 save percentage. Good lord. And a .65 goals against average. Good that's, lord. That's nuts for like any time, anywhere, any year, yeah. any era. Um, I mean, two shutouts, right? So that's yeah. incredible. Yeah, that's the best single Stanley Cup playoff series in terms of save percentage since 2006. And the last one that was even better than that was Tuka Rask with a point. 985 save percentage in 2013 against the Penguins. That's So that's just not going to be topped unless another that's team insane. never scores a goal. <laughs> um, I think Fleury's kind of a key because he's a, he's a veteran goalie. Uh-huh. A veteran goalie who can get it done too, you know, no offense to like Luongo or anything like that, but like this is an old goalie 
that still plays incredibly well. And that's had a lot of playoff success. Yeah, he has he has plenty of playoff success, playoff experience. I think he kind of they didn't really they didn't have any downs in this uh-huh. series, but I think you can help uh, the team ride out any sort of down they might face moving forward. Uh, Gallant rolled four lines. Their coach, amongst all Vegas forwards, only fourth liner William Carrier, former. Former blue? Um, Carrier. Carrier. Oh my goodness. He's so French. <laughs> uh, he, he was I'm the only... I'm just glad he doesn't say Willie Ah or something. Oh God, Willie Ah Carrier. <laughs> um, only that player, only William Carrier, logged an average of under 10 minutes for all forwards. So for those of you who think that the uh, Ryan Miller trade was a catastrophe, see... This because <laughs> he was the highlight of that package. <laughs> the, amongst forwards, Carlson uh, William Carlson, Carlson played the most. Old Bill, Wild Bill Carlson. Gosh <laughs> darn this computer! <laughs> <laughs> he played twenty three minutes and twenty eight seconds on average for ice time, and then Belmare logged the least after Carrier at thirteen minutes and forty three seconds. That's less than a ten minute difference between guys that are playing. First line minutes and fourth line minutes. You'll normally see on a, I don't know, a regular game for the Blues, maybe not the last couple of games, but earlier in the season, a Brodziak or an Upshaw or a Thor, a Thorburn playing like seven minutes, mm-hmm. eight minutes maybe. Yeah. And they've got guys playing 13 minutes, and I think that's I think, also some penalty kill time, yeah. but still. I think that's one of the advantages of this system of um, – the expansion draft that they did is that their fourth line isn't really fourth line anywhere else. I mean, they've got Ryan Reeves now, mm. uh, who I'm sure is playing a lot of minutes, but, um, the guys that they got were most teams seventh or eighth best player. And so you have a whole team full of, you know, second or third line guys rather than a whole bunch of fourth line guys. That's true. Um, but yeah, that's pretty impressive. So one thing to them though, uh, Vegas average their um, average Corsi four percentage was fifty two point nine, which is pretty good across four games. They had one game that was I think game three was sixty percent, or maybe it was game two was sixty percent, and the whole average would have been higher if it weren't for the sort of game four desperation of the Kings mm-hmm. shot Vegas's Corsi four to a thirty eight percent. So that's you kind of knew that was going to happen. How many saves do you have it in front of you? You may not that. Uh, Flurry made in Game 4, I'm curious. Game 4, I'm not sure. I know it was three goals on 160 shots in terms of the entire series. That's in- insane. I'm guessing the Kings shot a lot more in Game 4 just from desperation perspective. I looked at the shot uh, map, the heat map sort of, of where the Kings were getting shots from. The first three games were from the outside almost completely. Vegas kept them from on the outside. They're not really a team that's known for, I, I guess, you know, defensive structure necessarily. They're known for kind of going willy-nilly in the offensive zone, and that's how they win. But they managed to sort of chomp down on the Kings, except for obviously game four. I mean, they, they still did because they didn't, Kings didn't score in mm-hmm. game four. Very Blues-like. I don't, <laughs> you know, to be fair, I don't think the Blues have been shut out in a must-win game. They've at least scored at the end. We know yeah. they've scored at the end for sure. Tarasenko scored twice at the um, end once. Don't. You're welcome. It made me. It, I remember that second goal against the Sharks, and I was like, "Well, it's four two now." I was like, "Okay, we've got like a minute." Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. And I was like, "Why? Why am I even thinking like this?" It yeah. It was a crazy series. Um, Kings Kings lost because scoring dried up. They had three goals over four games. Only other team to do that most recently was the Chicago Blackhawks. 
against the National Predators last year. Three, Yikes. Three goals in four games. Remember when the Blackhawks got swept by the Predators and for like a brief moment we liked the Predators? Oh, I remember that. I was like, I'm, we hated yeah. the Predators. I was just telling someone else that at work. I was like, man, I used to love the Predators for a hot second until we played them and now I hate them. No. They're pretty much my new Blackhawks. Yep. Kopitar had 92 points this season and he was held to two points this whole series. Drew Doughty, I think, had maybe one. Drew Doughty was pissed. Yeah. This whole series. He was very angry. He I, was I love an angry on Drew by Doughty. A exactly. But too angry. Too, too angry, <laughs> Drew. <laughs> Seek help, Drew. <laughs> it's uh, the my favorite thing, I guess, I'd say about this whole series, and it's more that it's ended now, is that Vegas, I want to say, is now, of all times, a real NHL team because... They have a they have a rival now. Mm-hmm. They kind of had it in the Pacific, but they were the new kids on the block. But now you've swept out the LA oh, Kings. The Kings hate the you. The LA Kings hate you. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I love it. <laughs> uh, so along the lines that they're a real NHL team, listen, you can always write a narrative to say why the Kings or why the Knights will not do this or that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was saying it in our in our playoff bonus episode last week. You know, if they'd gone to seven games, we would have been saying, well, they'll be too tired. Now with mm-hmm. four games, even though the Sharks also won in four games, we'll say, yeah, well, they've got too long a break. Like you, can, rusty, yeah. you can always write a narrative. And, and the reason for that isn't sinister. It's just that it's so unprecedented what we're watching that how can you, like, you can't ever believe it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, their non-coach, I guess James Neal, I guess Flurry probably can be holding the cup, and they'll still be like, "No, this isn't happening," you know. So, uh, with that in mind, how far do you think they actually can go? Because I know in our bonus episode you said they'd get uh, reefed in the third round by the Jets. Mm-hmm. Um, are you sticking yeah. with that? I, I, we both said seven-game victories for Vegas in. Uh, the first round in our bonus episode, and that has clearly been proven false. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I, I was right in who won both series. I was very wrong in how long it was going to take uh-huh. both of them. And so I'm, I'll still stick with Vegas beating the Sharks. I think the Sharks are going to be a much tougher test because they can obviously score. I mean, what, King scored three goals, the Sharks scored, I think, 16 or 17. I mean, they had an eight-goal game, but... I think they're just a faster team. Anaheim sucks. Yeah, Anaheim. I don't. I don't even know. I don't know how Anaheim magically got ahead of the Sharks to be the team with home ice advantage. Um, Didn't matter, apparently. Yeah. God, did it not matter? <laughs> um, yeah, I still think Vegas has a chance. I will not be. It's the weird thing where the minute Vegas loses, I'll be like, well, of course. Yeah, of course they lost. Obviously, but. Like you were talking about Ottawa last year, that was a really good analogy. Yeah, they're the new Ottawa. I'm going to keep saying, well, there's no way they do it now. And then they're like, oh, they're going to lose now. And they don't. And you just keep watching them win. So I think this one will take, this one will not be a sweep for sure. Hmm. It's going to be at least six games. I'll call it seven games again. But the Vegas Golden Knights take it because why not? Don't stop believing. Don't ever ever stop believing. I thought you were going to tell me don't ever quote that song. Don't ever <laughs> quote Steve Perry in my presence. I swear to God, I will just lose it. Uh, so, um, 
So, as we alluded to, the Sharks also swept their series in pretty dominating fashion against the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, yeah, this was almost more impressive. Yeah, you got that one right. I got it very wrong. I don't think either of us saw this coming, though. But um, They're a fast team. Six of their goals were on odd man rushes. They are. They're they're more talented. I mean, they're, threat, they're a threat this year. Uh, I'm woke now. But they we'll, woke me. <laughs> we'll see. I, I did not care about the Sharks, and no. now I slightly care. Agreed, agreed. Which is woke. Uh, that's what woke means, folks. I'm going to stop <laughs> Don't look it up. It's woke, woke. as hell. <laughs> Fresh to death, baby. Let's go. <laughs> uh, so the Sharks and the Knights will meet in the second round. They'll probably start that series tomorrow like the NHL does, and then they'll let the first round finish, and those guys will be in game four. So, they, so the NHL put something out today, I think, where they said, oh, we're not going to start the second round during the first round because that's like silly to do and i was like except for you've done that you've done all that, the like, time the before. last couple of years yeah i'm glad that they're stopping but i love the idea that they're just like uh yeah, we've never done that rewrite the past uh so other series so nashville leads uh colorado three to one they play tonight right I think uh, tomorrow night Hammond is probably going to start in goal, which I think is going to be the end of the world. Uh, I called Nashville in five. I think I'm going to be right on that one. Oh, man, I said Uh, sweep. Yeah, well, you were wrong. Uh, (laughs) Winnipeg leads uh, your beloved... Minnesota Wild three to one. Oh, I thought you were gonna call Winnipeg my beloved. Oh well, your beloved Winnipeg mm-hmm. leads my real your beloved. despised uh, Minnesota Wild three to one. Did you, th- you see Josh Morrissey? They were on the penalty kill. The Jets were on the penalty kill. And Josh Morrissey. No, different not, Morrissey. Yeah, different Morrissey. My that. bad. My bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, you don't like. I don't like Josh Morrissey. You don't like that other guy I just mentioned beforehand. Steve Perry. That's We're very. True. We That's just true. don't like certain singers. Here. <laughs> um, Josh Morrissey. I think he said it was on accident. I don't care if it was on accident. Like two hand cross checked, Eric Stahl like in the face. <laughs> well, while, while the see Jets that. were on the penalty kill, just there has in been the a face. lot of violence yeah. this playoff. Eric Stahl was on the ground. This is in Minnesota. The whole crowd's booing. I of course Obviously. I would too. <laughs> yeah. And the refs were just looking around. And Eric Stahl has this great quote. Um, where, like, someone said, oh, the ref went over after the game and apologized to Eric for missing it or yada yada, and Eric Stahl's like, I don't give two craps about your apology. Like, I'm trying to win the game. Yeah. And, like, your apology didn't get me the win. I totally get it. After the fact, you're like, well, thanks. But, like, during the moment, you just lost the game. It's like, hey, Eric, sorry about the call. i like, get the F out of here, dude. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Get the hell out of my face. Yeah. Um, anyways. Crazy. I know uh, Sven Andragetto also spe- speared uh, Ryan Hartman in the nuts. Really? The other day. See, I'm missing all but these But then he, ones. like, cross-checked Andragetto in response. Oh, and I think he's kind of Yeah, and kind of looked over at the ref like, he speared me in the junk. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so Hartman's getting a hearing. Uh, do you think Winnipeg forces a game six, or, or excuse me, Minnesota forces a game six, or do you think this no is way. done in five? Yep, agreed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of things that'll be done in five tampa bay leads the yeah. new jersey devils three to one you think that's over yeah i feel bad for new jersey that they were like the abs of the east i mean almost exactly in the spot they were in where it's like you know you you scraped in it's a good story mm-hmm. you both finished pretty low last year um but it's just you're not 
good you're enough. Not yeah. Good enough. Yeah, you're not quite there. You got Taylor Hall, and that's it. That is it. Um, the Capitals are currently leading the Blue Jackets three to one uh, in the third period, late in the third period. Uh, so will probably even it up then, 2-2. Two, two. So that will be, yeah, that'll be 2-2 two, two shortly, I think. And Boston won game four officially, giving them uh, a 3-1 to one lead. Uh, so it's so long, probably to the Maple Leafs, my daring pick. You never know, they could fight back, but I don't think it's very likely. I, I could see them winning a game... It's, Five in Boston, but then I think after that, it's Boston's proven they can win in Toronto. So yeah, Steve Dangle is very excitable mm, to the I, point that while I love him, I kind of hate. Him. <laughs> I'm ex- I'm excited because I just like watching him freak out. Yeah. So if they get booted out, I'm almost sad. Oh, that's going to be delightful. I'm almost sad when he's okay with it. He's like, well, of course, you know, the team wasn't very good, and I'm like, no, 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 your whole shtick is yelling. Just yell some yeah. more. Yeah, 100% agree. And then finally, the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins and Philadelphia Flyers are locked in a series where every win is by a sizable amount, Mm -hmm. and Pittsburgh has gotten more of them than Philadelphia. (laughs) Three uh, lopsided wins to Philadelphia's one. I do think Philadelphia will force a game six here and then be destroyed. Uh, That's my guess, but who knows at this point. Isn't it sad to think that once they pass Philadelphia, the Penguins will beat either the Capitals or the Blue Jackets for sure, Uh and so they're automatically in the Eastern Conference Finals? It's disgusting. I hate it more than I hate anything. Um, (laughs) So yeah, so that's the playoffs. We'll touch back on those next week. Uh, We have a little bit to talk about with the St. Louis Blues, our very own St. Louis Blues, uh, who were humbled. With the incredible honor this week of appearing on THN's The Hockey News' Fan Misery Index, which is a frustration ranking of the league's 31 teams. And you, uh, fellow St. Louis Blues fans, we have finally won something. (laughs) Uh, The Hockey News has decided that, in fact, we are the most pitiable of all hockey fandoms. And I have to say, I think... They're right on the money. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you for acknowledging our pain. Um, they say the oldest franchise without a cup hasn't reached the final since the first years after expansion, and those shouldn't even count since the playoff format guaranteed an expansion team a finals berth. Uh, they should count, and they do count, and I will take any sort of <laughs> accolade that we are allowed to have on this team. We were the best expansion team there were no other better expansion teams those years. That's true. Nobody else was expanding that day. Exactly. Um, <laughs> the Buffalo Sabres are the number two team. Uh, mm. Buffalo doesn't just have losses. It has the name brand Devastations. Uh, skate in the Crease is the Sabres' wide right, and the current team has been putrid even with Jack Eichel, which is how I said Jack Eichel. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> talk about the Buffalo Sabres a little bit, Ian. Uh, they've made the playoffs 29 seasons of their 48 years of existence, so that's 60% of the time they're in the playoffs. Obviously not recently, but over the years. Ryan uh, O'Reilly's lost the love of hockey. Yeah, the team has drained <laughs> a human being's love of a sport out of him. Sad days in Buffalo. 
I think the only reason Buffalo isn't number one on this list is that the Sabres aren't even the most depressing team in the market. That's how depressing it is to be a Buffalo sports fan. You look at the Sabres and they're a relief from being a Bills fan. (laughs) They're an improvement. I don't know how that's possible, but it's true. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs are number three. The Steve Dangles team uh, themselves, they won in 1967, is that yeah, correct? When the year before the Blues. The year before the Blues expanded. Uh, he had. They have Austin Matthews now, but they've been uh, without a playoff or without a Stanley Cup win for 50 years now plus mm-hmm. and look to be adding another year to that very shortly. Uh, I think fitting. Fitting their place on this list, especially considering their place mm. within the lore of hockey. What do you think? Yeah, I'd say so. There was a fun little bit on the Steve Dangle podcast. They did a live a live podcast, and they had audience members, and this audience member said that it was his grandmother's fault for the Maple Leafs not having won a Stanley Cup since 67 because she was going to go to the parade with her son, this guy's father, and... He said, you know, hey, are we going to go to this parade? And she goes, oh, no, no, we're not going to go to the parade this year. And I was like, why not? It's like, I, like, we got other stuff to do. There'll be one next year. Because they had had a bunch of, they had won a couple in that, like, 10-year span before then. So she said that. They didn't go to the parade. There was never another parade to right. go to. That's it. That's that how old curses woman work. ruined the Maple Leafs. That's how curses work, yeah. folks. <laughs> Uh, as as they say, I feel bad for them because they're like the biggest Canadian market. Uh-huh. They're possibly the biggest market outside of maybe like the New York Rangers. As as Ken in Parks and Recreation says, if I know two things about white people, they love Rachel Ray and they are terrified of curses. So, <laughs> uh, the Washington Capitals are fourth appropriately. The Vancouver Canucks are fifth. Eh, eh, and then the one I start to really take, uh, the I start to really take exception uh, when we get to San Jose at six and Florida at seven, only because nobody cares enough about either of those teams to be that upset. True. If you're if you're a Sharks fan, it's been tough. I'll give you that, but those don't exist. I don't believe they exist, and Florida Panthers fans certainly don't exist. So I don't know if I can buy into that. Uh, I'll just read some of the rest of these. Philadelphia at 8, Ottawa at 9, Winnipeg at 10, Nashville at 11? No. No. (laughs) Uh, No. Um, Minnesota, the Wild at 12. Uh, Not only had the Wild failed to win a Stanley Cup in their lifetime, but the NHL's previous Minnesota tennis won their first title after moving to Dallas, giving Texas the glory instead. I feel like Minnesota should arguably be higher. Yeah, Minnesota as a fan base needs to be top five. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, again, who cares, really? Uh, (laughs) Arizona Coyotes are 14th, which feels like, well, they don't have fans, so who cares? But that hasn't been the logic for the rest of the list. Mm -hmm. Uh, Islanders, Canadians, Flames, Oilers, Rangers, Stars, Avs, Devils, Hurricanes... Canes fans have had had the mic drop of a cup win in the past twenty years. Whenever Canadian fans bug them about attendance, new under new owner Tom Dundon looks like he's <laughs> up for disruption. Uh, he's terrible. He's really bad. Yeah, he's um, no good. And <laughs> Ducks, Tampa Bay Lightning, Detroit Red Wings, Boston Bruins, Los Angeles Kings, Chicago Blackhawks, Vegas Golden Knights. Imagine if the Golden Knights won it all this year. Vegas fans have been treated to fast winning hockey, and the savvy ones have made a killing betting on home game wins. And then finally, the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
two straight cups and the possibility of a third coming. Gross. Uh, so I think I think the Blues are rightfully atop this list, mm-hmm. <laughs> considering the not even a finals appearance since expansion. Uh, but it's nice to be recognized for something, even if it's something horrible to be recognized for. So uh, as we move towards our end, did you have anything else to say about oh, that? By the oh, way? yeah. You had lots to say oh, about yeah. that, and I just tried to steamroll you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. I'm very sorry. Um, no, it's more like, what do you think is more depressing? Do you think... This will be a fun one. <laughs> um, do you think a team that's like perennially like a, a capital is like a team that's like pretty good at least recently but just can't get it done is sadder than a team that just like say like a, a buffalo or, or something where it's like they're just awful all the time i think it is i feel like it is just because like if i'm a buffalo fan like i know buffalo has a really passionate fan base i don't mm. want to disrespect them in any way but like if you're a savers fan you're, you didn't come into the season with, like, high hope. Maybe this season, I guess, because any year with Eichel is like, oh, who knows? But, like, you've got to be trained somewhat at this point. But if you're the Capitals, you got to think every year is your year. And you just get devastated again and again. And I... Uh, not to pick on Cubs fans, I have lots in my family. I love them, but I used to I used to think about Cubs fans that like one of the reasons they didn't win is because they kind of enjoyed and embraced the lovable loser role, mm-hmm. where it was like the whole maybe you know wait till next year thing, and it was like they'd say that in like June, and it's like why aren't you demanding more <laughs> from your team and your ownership, you know? And and I wonder. If that's kind of what it's like to be a Savers fan or whatever right now, you know, or if it's just real anger. If it's real palpable anger, then it might be worse to be them. Because at least you're getting to see lots of wins and lots of fun hockeys and Alex Ovechkin, lots of fun hockeys. <laughs> Let's and, do that hockey. <laughs> and Alex Ovechkin in Washington. But I feel like I'd be more depressed as a Capitals fan. How do you feel? I was like, I'm, I'm kind of split because we haven't really had a Blues team that just got awful. So I think we kind of, in our sort of generation of Mm -hmm. watching, necessarily. um, So I think I tend to believe people of our sort of area of expertise, the ones that are good teams that just can't get it done, Mm -hmm. are more depressing than a a terrible team. But my my top four outside of the Blues, I should say top three, and I think they had them in somewhat of this order maybe, was, yeah, Washington Capitals, Buffalo Sabres, Vancouver Canucks, Buffalo Sabres, like I mentioned, or Washington, I think like I mentioned, had 28 seasons that they've made the playoffs of their 44 years of existence. At 64% of the time, they're in the playoffs. They've gone to the Cup Finals once in 97-98 and were swept out right by the Red Wings, a very good Red Wings team. They have not made it past the second round, the Capitals haven't. In the Ovechkin era, oh they have not God. made it to the Eastern Conference Finals with Alexander. That's Ovechkin. worse than us. Yeah, Capitals, by the way, have had like a, a a top ten player in the league my whole lifetime, pretty much, because they had Ovechkin right on the heels of having Peter Bondra. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was top ten because my hockey reference <laughs> was loses very a little bit, but he was extremely good. Yeah. That's it's, incredible. It's absolutely insane. Buffalo Sabres were going to be my number two, is what I thought, right after the Blues. Like I said, they made the playoffs 29 seasons of their 48 years of existence. That's 60% of the time. But Which is really incredible recently. considering they haven't, haven't made it any of the last, like, 10. Yeah, they have not made the playoffs in the last seven years. So before that, they were, like, 29 of 35 or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
I think if that's right, because this is the first time the Blues haven't been in the playoffs mm-hmm. in six years, so they may have been in the playoffs at the same time, right when the Blues got back in, in 11, 12, or maybe even before then. They've never, they may have never been in the playoffs, you know, coexisting in the last, like, 10 years, which mm-hmm. is kind of nuts. Uh, they have made the cup finals twice. Buffalo has. They lost in 74 to seven, or 74-75 to the Flyers. They lost in 98-99 to the Stars. And that was the foot in the crease. Dallas. Stars. (laughs) They, uh, foot in the crease, which I believe was the thing where you could not be in the blue paint. Yeah, you couldn't. Yeah. And, uh, Brett Hall's skate was in the blue paint. Yeah, there's no debate. And that's what they, and that's what, that's what that city rallies around. (laughs) So that in itself is extremely depressing. Imagine being a team where what you have to rally around is the various ways you've gotten screwed. <laughs> Which comes to, and I think this is the true number two of this whole thing, is the Vancouver Canucks. You think so? So they have made the playoffs 27 seasons of their 48 years of existence. That's 56% of the time. Uh, they have a playoff record, series record. So this is series one, series lost of 16 and 27. That's 0.37% of the time that they're winning a series. Mm -hmm. They've made the cup finals three times. They were swept by the Islanders in 81-82, and that's sad. But the next two, and we know one of them, is even sadder. They lost Game 7 to the Rangers. They lost Game 7 to the Bruins. Bastard. If I was a Blues fan and we made it to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals, I would already be like... Just crying, just crying in a corner. Not both because we made it that far, and because this is where it ends. This is the ultimate dagger yeah. in my brain. Uh, I can't imagine if you're a Vancouver fan and you make it to the cup again, and you're in I game seven. I get why they set stuff on fire. Yeah, get out of here. I understand it now. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, they have not made. I was it unfair past the to first them. They round. deserve to be higher. They've not made it past the first round since their cup Not run. Not to mention the fact that they had a set of telepathic twins on their team yeah. for a decade and couldn't win anything. Uh, speaking of which, you were out of the country when the Sedins announced their retirement. Did you have anything to add to that discussion that I believe Tommy and I had? I think it was Tommy. Yeah, I can't remember. I, was, I remember listening to it, so I was like, oh, we talked about it. But yeah. I didn't talk about it. <laughs> no, they're great. Yeah, great. I used to and hate them, and now I can't anymore. Yeah, I think I think I was nodding my head They're along. They're so peaceable. <laughs> yeah, I was nodding my head listening to our podcast on the plane when I think one of you said that, like, or maybe I read it somewhere else, too. It was just kind of unnerving that not once one of them just, like, flipped out. Yeah. It's like, these refs effing suck, or yeah. whatever. They were always just, like, very, like, oh, yeah, we're Lissadines. Yeah. We're kind of robot-like. Um, I think it's the Vancouver Canucks right behind us for saddest That's franchise. Fair. That's fair, I think. Um, they've also had just the grossest, weirdest jersey history known to mankind. Oh, were they the ones with those like orange, yellow, and black? Yeah, they were just like a V. It was just like oh, a giant V. Oh, and they were a... like, these are jerseys that, in like, the National Hockey League. There are sometimes I look at something and I'm like, okay, the 70s happened. This makes sense in that context, mm-hmm. right? But then I look at that and I'm like, there's no, this must have looked terrible 
at Even the then. time. Like, there's no way this ever looked good. My dad claims personal opinion that when he saw them when he was a teenager, he's like, those are awful. Yeah, so okay, there you good, go. Good. 170s uh, person. Uh, good. Uh, let me ask you this follow-up question before we move on. You asked me which was more depressing, being a fan of the Sabres or the Capitals. Mm-hmm. I ask you this question. Which is more depressing, being a fan of the St. Louis Blues or the beheading of Anne Boleyn at the behest of her husband, Henry VIII of England. You know, I, it's probably the beheading. I mean, I feel like I'd be a bad person if I said it was a sport. Right? But you kind of want to, though, right? I mean, look, I was She had a good run. She got to be queen for all that time. Look. I wasn't at the beheading, so who's to say that it wasn't a joyous occasion for everyone else? That's true. That's true. It could have been. I'm no history buff. There we go. But Anne Boleyn, smoking hot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you can see that faithfully represented, I'm sure, in HBO's The Tudors, available (laughs) on Netflix. Near you. Uh, Let's move on, shall we, to some Reddit questions. Uh, We have Captain Elephant, CPT, and Elephant, but I read between the lines and and figured out what he meant. Uh, We've got a a bunch of you folks, if you're listening, ask questions, and and this because we put it to you in two different ways. Uh, Some are more kind of, you know, immediate things that we can answer tonight, and then there are some that are more like... uh, things we'd like to cover on an episode, maybe devote a bonus episode to, that sort of thing. Uh, So um, we'll just go through some of the ones um, that we plan to cover tonight. And if you don't hear one of your questions or your question entirely tonight, uh, just know that we did read it and we plan to cover it in the coming weeks, uh, which I hope you all understand. So uh, Captain Elephant started by asking, uh, I'll drop the obvious one, chances of getting John Tavares in the offseason. I think we kind of covered that, but I am going to put it at a 20%, which I think is reasonably generous, <laughs> all things considered. Where would you put it? I think on July 1st, you flip a coin and you call it heads and wherever whatever it lands on, that's what it is. I think it's honestly... <laughs> I, I think that's how he's deciding oh, the team at this point. He goes, Islanders, heads, others tied, any other team. <laughs> and then it's one of those things where when it lands on the thing you don't want it to be, you go, okay, two he's, out of three. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, heads, I don't go to the Islanders, tails, the Islanders don't get to sign me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I really do think with Doug Armstrong and he's I don't know. Sometimes he really like says stuff where he goes, no, like I don't see it. Or he'll be like, you know, I just don't see it with our cap structure who we have. It's not really a guy we're looking at. You know, I've, I'm thinking of Matt Duchesne. He was into like, oh, that doesn't fit in our locker room yeah. at all. John Tavares, not one. People have said John Tavares, and he's like, well, "There's not a move. There's not an unmovable contract we have. It's a lot of not no." He's done a whole lot of not saying no to yeah. John Tavares. To direct and indirect questions, he's done a whole lot of steering conversations in a direction that could only be read John Tavares. Yeah. And I think, obviously, look. There are 31 teams in the NHL. 35 of them want to sign John Tavares, right? I mean, there's nobody that wouldn't add John Tavares in an ideal world. If he'd signed for $2 million, the Penguins would add him, you know, in a heartbeat. But, like, when you look at teams that have the need, which narrows it down to everyone, but have the cap structure space to even conceivably do it, 
or at least, you know, you can talk of you mentioned the predators, but like is it worth what they'd have to clear yeah. out? You know, you have to at least balance That's a that lot stuff. Of um I do think the Blues are a reasonable candidate. I mean, I think especially with the Petrangelo connection, you never want to lean too hard on that. But, you know, one of the things, baseball or hockey, that a lot of people are like, well, who wants to come to St. Louis? Well, if you have a best friend who's the captain of the team, that's a pretty good... I mean, that's better than, like, Toast of Ravioli, you mm-hmm. know, like, as a motivating factor. <laughs> Although Toast of Ravioli, pretty darn good. I uh, forgot what city we were in. I was like, why is that the comparable? <laughs> <laughs> um, if he comes here, more serious question. He... Does he get number 91 yes, from you knew, you, This is why we do this podcast. You knew exactly what I was going to ask. I don't. That's a great question. Pardon me says, well, no way. I wonder like, if he knows one of not them, to ask. I wonder if one of them gets 19 from Bowmeister, and then Bowmeister's <laughs> just... <laughs> Bowmeister just comes up with Get out! <laughs> I know. I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, yeah, I guess someone would take 19. Vladimir Tarasenko seems like, I would almost say... Buddy, don't do it. It's your number on this team. But I think that dude's so much of a like. A, oh no no no! And you know, Any, I'll take whatever. I'll I'll say this. I really believe. And you know, Tarasenko's character has been called into a little question this year, which I haven't gotten in terms of like effort level. Mm. I think if Jonathan Tavares called him and was like, "I gotta have your number, or I ain't coming," he'd be like, "Yep." Like, wouldn't even be, like, there wouldn't even be a hitch in his conversation. Like, he wants to win in St. Louis. I think, I think it's probably that situation of, like, Blake Wheeler offering Paul Stastny 26 in Winnipeg and Stastny kind of being like, yeah, but no. Yeah, you're the captain. Thank you, but no. (laughs) Like, it's a, I like the number, but, like, yeah, exactly. Uh, But that's a good question. I, I sincerely hope that we have to find out the answer to that question. Uh, Captain Elephant also asked, any other potential free agents you would go after? So we'll skin this list in the future, but why don't I name a couple of these guys who are pending free agents, and we can just mention them. Um, John Tavares, obviously, just talked about. John Carlson, I don't think there's a chance the Blues sign him. He's going to get big money somewhere, though, whether it's West Washington or somebody else. David Perron had 66 points to finish the season. I wonder if he's going to parlay that into a big contract. If he doesn't, honestly, wouldn't be shocked to see him come back here. I really wouldn't. He said last year that he really wanted to return to St. Louis. He loved playing here. It wouldn't surprise me. He's the kind of scoring depth we need. And listen, I know there are a lot of David Perron haters out there. You can't argue that we were a better team without him this year than we were having him last year. Not that he was the only reason for the change, but uh, that wouldn't shock me, but I wouldn't say it's likely. This Mm. lists Mark Stone as a UFA, which is not true, right? I don't think so. If it is, I got to look that up. But if it is... Please, God, yes, do that. But uh, isn't there is that a different stone? Is it? I, I don't, don't know. know. Maybe a defenseman it is. stone, but that's. I think you're right. I think that's Mark Stone. He's a right winger who scored 62 points for Ottawa. So yeah, he's UFA. It can't be true. If it's true, that cannot be true. This says okay, 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 okay. Yeah, he's an RFA. All right, uh, that's okay. what I thought. Okay, that's very different, but not impossible. That's a team player I'd really like. He could be traded by Ottawa if Ottawa just yeah, goes in the full sure. tailspin. Uh, Thomas Vanek, I wouldn't despise, 
is yeah. like a depth thing if you're paying. He see he still had fifty six points this year. I mean, I can't hate that. We gotta yeah. add points somewhere. People will hate him here. He has no defensive that's game. True, that's very true. Evander Kane, I don't think there's a chance in hell we're adding him to this locker room. The first name that I really like on this list that we've talked about in the past past, excuse me, is James Van Riemsdyk of the mm-hmm. Toronto Maple Leafs. I think he's set to make some decent scratch this year. Um, he's still only 28, which is baffling to me uh, because I swear he's been in the NHL for 17 years. <laughs> but uh, would, what do you help, think about JVR? He would help the power play. Yeah, he's a he's, very good power play he, player. He basically, as Steve Dangle says, kind of only does one thing offensively, but mm-hmm. what he, the one thing he does is very good, and it's scoring from five feet around the goalie. Yeah. Tip-ins, uh, just garbage goals. I think that'd be amazing. I'd I'd take him on this team. I think he makes six million a year Probably. currently. Yeah. So I'm guessing he's gonna be want more. So than almost that. any of these names we're discussing right now are like in lieu of signing Tavares. Yeah. Um, James Neal. Very interesting. Sure. I don't think he's getting out of Vegas. I but think yeah, they'll no, keep him. Uh, but he's not signed yet. Paul Stasny. I wouldn't be shocked at a reunion. I don't think it's likely, but he's probably, oh. as much as Blues fans will hate hearing this, he's probably the best center yeah. not named John Tavares on the market. I, so I like Paul Stasny. I wouldn't exactly mind if he came back, mm-hmm. but can you imagine that that's because you strike out on Tavares, and so it's like, Paul Stasny's back. And I like Paul Stasny. <laughs> I'd, I'd still be like, up. oh. <laughs> that would be a carbon copy of the day where we lose Bacchus and Brower, and they were like, here, but we brought back David Perron, and you're like, what? God. What? <laughs> I was in a back road in, like, Virginia that day, because... Uh, Jordan, our ads correspondent, and I were touring Civil War's battlefields because we know how to party. And, uh, yeah, we were listening to the radio if and, you know, trying to refresh our phones with zero reception and getting all that news. Because it's so funny, like, in the hockey world, July 1st, noon comes, and then by, like, 12.05, everyone's on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> um, Joe Thornton, I think, will stay. In San Jose, if he's a free agent, I wouldn't hate it. Patrick Maroon is obviously a name that will be discussed about returning to St. Louis. Again, I think fine player to add, but the mm. price did have to be right. Um, and then uh, Rick Nash, Michael Grabner, Valtteri Flipula, Filpula, excuse me, uh, Michael Camilleri, all names that will be okay scoring depth, but it'd have to be at the right price. Uh we will probably go more in depth on free agent options at other times this year, so I didn't want to linger too long there, but that's kind of some names yeah. that uh, were interesting. Of those names we discussed, do any of them really like scream out at you? Not really. I guess Van Riemsdyk is the closest thing to that I yeah. can think of. Um, yeah, of non... Tavares names, that's definitely the one that I'm kind of like, okay, that'd be cool. I really think we're going to see more trades than UFA signings for the Blues. Mm -hmm. That's just me. I agree. Uh, And then Captain Elephant, of the questions that we're discussing today, uh, we'll close with uh, prospects who make the jump to the NHL that next year. I think Robert Thomas is a lock, uh, and I think you will see one more get a fairly consistent role uh, coming out of camp. I don't know if it's Cairo or Costin. 
I think it's more likely that it's kind of an Adam Musil in a fourth line role or uh, Sammy Blay getting a more defined kind of mm-hmm. third line role. Um, it's weird. I've heard Sammy Blay referred to by Armstrong a couple of times as like kind of not in the same breath as the big four, but like he'll end prospect lists by saying Sammy Blay, which mm-hmm. is interesting. He must have a very high opinion of him. He played a really good second half in the AHL this yeah. year, which I know sometimes... You can have really good AHL players that just never translates to the NHL. But Tyrant. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're sick. Um, yeah, I'm, just, I'm dying. Sorry. I got the Tyranny <laughs> flu. Um, yeah, but I think I hope that it's able to translate for him. Yeah. I I think if you have a Robert Thomas and a Jordan Cairo that both make this team next year, I don't know like the math in my head or why it's working out this way. But if they both make the team next year, mm-hmm. I think that Tage Thompson is traded. Yeah, I think so, too. In this weird, like, you you can have all three, but, like, you, no, can't. you, you can't for, like, a good team, yeah. if that makes sense. you got to have, like, a more reliable person, and if one of them has to go, it's Tage Thompson. Uh-huh. So, Agreed. Um, better start. They also really pumped the tires on Tage Thompson in the press conference, mm. which, of course, isn't working on any NHL GM, GM other than Peter Chiarelli. Uh, but a, I'm, sure, the one. <laughs> I'm sure Chiarelli's <laughs> listening like, oh, he had a great season. Okay. He goes, these are the idiots that let Tyranny go. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I can please him for sure. That's, that may be the hardest I've ever laughed on this podcast. Oh, that was good. Okay. Uh, our, our old friend, creative underscore funny underscore name, asks us, uh, Blues are obviously your number one team in terms of fandom. Uh, if you had to pick a number two team, who would it be? And if you don't have one, pick a good candidate. So... Uh, we're gonna we may expand on this in a later episode because I thought of some fun ideas with what to do with this. Uh, my fallback number two team, as gross and weird and random as it is, is the Philadelphia Flyers. And I've explained it before. I may have even talked about this last week. I know I did recently, but uh, when I was a kid, I made a lot of team associations with colors and i you know you you know because i'm probably mildly autistic (laughs) and that's fine uh but uh i loved orange and the flyers wore orange and i really loved danny briere which was random but the you know he was one of the first characters in a video game i remember playing as a hockey you know video game and i loved danny briere and they had danny briere uh, after I think he left the Ducks, I think I like played the game with him on the Ducks, and then he went and signed with the uh, Flyers. So I loved the Flyers, and I still I've stuck with the Flyers. I like Giroux and uh, Katori is a Selkie finalist, which is super bizarre to me. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah. So they're my number two. There there are a lot of teams uh, in hockey that I don't dislike, but. I you know I actively root for the Flyers more than almost anybody else. How about you? Probably the Minnesota Wild, right? Next question. <laughs> um, no. I feel bad for not liking the Minnesota Wild, but oh well, that's that. Considering <laughs> your family's from there and you went to college there for a while, you still hate them because they're so up their own butts about being <laughs> like the state of hockey, uh, and they're like a nice fan. Oh God, they're a nice fan base, but in like a weird way where you're up there and. In, like, that get-out sort of way where you like, something's up here. Well, I had, like, a Brad Boys jersey on, and we got, like, second to the row, like, for glass seats or uh-huh. whatever. 
and Brad Boys got plastered in front of us, like right in front of us, just got nailed. And this dude tapped me on the shoulder. He goes, "Hey, that's your guy." And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah." And every time they scored, they'd like look at me and my dad, and they're like, "Oh, sorry." And I'm like, "Don't say like this is hockey. You can just laugh in my face. Like it's fine. Like it's that's awesome. Uh, they're nice people." Um, I don't know. Mine flip flops a lot. It kind of seems to be whatever's kind of like the feel good story that year. Like I like. Boo! <laughs> I, I like the Maple Leafs. He's a front a runner, folks, and that's what. That's you, right. I kind of. Uh, you do listen to a lot of Steve Dangle, I so do. you should have to like the happens. Maple Leafs. I kind of like. Uh, they got Timothy Friggin Lilligren. I'll tell you that much. He's the godsend <laughs> for that team. Apparently, I like the Jets a little bit this year. They're kind of come on a little. I won't when we play them, and I'll hate them when <laughs> they like beat the crap out of us. But yeah. I think for sure, and it's like it's a for sure thing until they behead Tarasenko or something, but. The Seattle, whatever their names are going to be. Baby. Sock guys. We're sold. We're rooting for We're it. sold. Um, that's my second team for sure, which is kind of odd because it'll be a Western Conference team. You know, you normally kind of pick an Eastern one. Yeah. Hate them less. Well, but... I did because I'm intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I mean. We'll play them and I'm sure they'll do some slew foot on somebody and I'll hate them. But I, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to a team like that. I kind of like Vegas this year. I think it's funny because I think next year people are going to be like, okay, honeymoon's over. <laughs> Vegas can go, you know, eat a dick. Agreed. <laughs> Essentially. Agreed. Yeah, um, I think that's going to be very true. Yeah. So there you go. So Seattle I love Sock the Guys, blues baby. so much. You don't get it. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, you do get it because you listen to this podcast, but it, I love the blues. It is weird. I mean, I love the blues. And, and, and in baseball... I've talked about this before. Like, I, there's no team I really hate in baseball. Like, I have a general kind of just fondness for baseball. So, what I, about the Boston Red Sox? Like, I don't like the Red Sox, but I don't like yeah. the Red Sox the way I err the Blackhawks or whatever. And that's kind of my point. Of like, baseball, you know, I don't know that I have a number two team because I'm generally kind of like, hey, everybody's cool, you know. <laughs> but like, I also don't have a number two and hockey as much because i'm like i hate other teams oh, like yeah. the passion i feel for teams that aren't the blues is more hatred than it is like fondness but it's definitely the flyers i'm more fond of than anyone if, else if i do a audio sort of like rorschach for you and i just say the name pete DeBoer, what do you think oh <laughs> that's so that's just so much fury that like literally just hatred <laughs> Just, just red hot fury when I hear Pete DeBoer's name. Uh, there you go, Think folks. of his stupid bald face and his whining about the refs in a series where he was getting all the calls. Oh, I hate that man. I hate him so much. You know this. Mm-hmm. You know this. But now the audience. He's knows not this. even an NHL team. He's no. a coach. Nope. He's a coach, and I despise his very soul. Uh, speaking of things that are despicable down to the very soul, fabulous on. Uh, which I think is great. Fabulous on uh, Reddit asked, why does this team continually crush my soul every season? And Fabulous, the only advice I would give you is that it's because you still have a soul. Uh, so sell that thing off, and <laughs> you'll be taken <laughs> care of. Yeah, why haven't you done this for us? Uh, God, I mean, I don't know. We love this team. It's, it's it, the same reason we're number one on the THN Fan Misery Index, folks. I hate the Cubs comparison, because uh-huh. I've heard that a bunch but you know what i'm just it's not at all the same but it is kind of this it's kind of and at this point it's not a lovable loser thing but i kind of root for teams like 
the capitals in uh, Vancouver and Buffalo because I'm like, please get a cup, leave I me think, on my island. I think that's the, all I want. I think the thing that's different with the with the Cubs, if I may be so bold, <gasps> is kind of. The, the Cubs were famously terrible. The oh, Blues no. don't even get any notoriety for That's how bad true. they've been. We're just kind of out here. It's disgusting. Uh, Fabulous also asked, why is Armstrong hesitant to trade prospects? Which I think is an interesting question. Uh, I don't know that he is. I think he's hesitant to trade the prospects he has right now. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason for that is that I think we have better prospects than we've ever had under his tenure. Um, the fact of the matter is that Robert Thomas is, after this performance, may be the most highly regarded prospect, not named like Casey Middlestad or Ross Mustawin, in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, there's a reason you don't trade those guys, right? Like, I mean, that's the same reason that... Uh, John Mazalak's not going to trade Alex Reyes or whoever, you know, like whatever, you know, I think prospects get a little less coverage in the NHL. So it's a little harder to like, oh, this guy's like a huge stud in the making. But like, that's the reason from that perspective, Koston and, and Kairou are both very highly regarded as well. So I think he's hesitant to trade these prospects. But with that said, I think he will trade them. Um, I think this year he said multiple times, and I, and I agree with him, I agree with the quote he he talked about a couple of times, you know, um, the GM doesn't tell the, the players where the team's going to go at the deadline. The players tell the GM where the team's going to go or what the team's yeah. going to do at the deadline. And I think this was just not the year to buy at the deadline and give up a, a Jordan Cairo or Clem Cost in, in the hopes of adding a, a Vander Kane or whoever. Because we just, it wasn't going to push us over the hump. You know, we just weren't good enough. So, you know, this is a question I think we can revisit for sure if we get to July 10th and we still have all four prospects and haven't made a major addition. Uh, but I think it's less hesitance and more waiting for the right time. What do you think? Because you're welcome yeah. to disagree with me. No, I think it's waiting. There's just no one on the trade block that we know of. That's kind of worth it. I know people right. are like I people I see a lot are talking about tossing one of these guys and maybe not Robert Thomas, but a Jordan Cairo for like a Mike Kaufman. And that name, I'm so sick of that yeah, name already. Like, I get it, but I'm telling you, watch Mike Kaufman. He scores goals, and you might say, "Well, that's all we need." And I'll tell you right now, that's all he does. And that's cool, but it's a weird, more yeah. high profile brand boys. I'm telling you, and it's just. I don't know. I've it's said it a lot. Worth it. I've said it a lot, and I'll 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 be a broken record in some ways until July first because I have my narratives. I want to yeah. I no, want to get will. out there, but um, and this will kind of roll us into our our next question, uh, pretty well. But uh, I've talked about the need the need for us to find a player, the right player, right? Not just the available player. Sorry, mm-hmm. I kind of lost my train of thought there for a minute. But like when we talk about Hoffman, who we've talked about ad nauseum, I'm really worried that that's not the player we need. It's just the player who's available. Mm-hmm. And there have been times in the past where the player we need and the player who is available have lined up pretty well when we needed, you know, a, a, a top pairing defenseman for Petrangelo, Bowmeister was available. Mm-hmm. And when we needed a goalie, 
Ryan Miller was available. And, and you can talk about how those things worked out, but there's not a lot of question those were the right trades at the time. Um, I'm looking for Armstrong to do something more out of the box along the lines of the Shin trade, where two minutes before that, you had no idea that was coming. You had no idea Braden Shim was available. You had no idea he could get Yori Laterra out of here. Like exactly. everything about that trade was positive for the Blues, but you didn't see it coming. And I just, you know, I'm I'm just I'm not sold on Mike Hoffman personally, kind of in the same way you are. But if you add him, I just want to believe that you added him and not just a guy who scored mm-hmm. 20 plus goals and was kind of fast, you know. Um, and and like I said, that rolls us well into uh, Usposesa's question. I'm, I butchered oh. that probably, but uh, from Reddit. And he says, talk about the Blues need uh, for a rebuild. And we'll, we'll probably touch on this longer rebuild retool. He says, this model to mix and match old school veterans with young blood is getting as antiquated as Hitchcock's grinding dump and chase system. Army is old school like Hitch was. They don't fully understand how skilled, fast, and downright dynamic these young players are coming up to, uh, coming up out of the, uh, O or the A. I don't know what that Oh, well, like OHL, AHL. There you go. He's he's smarter than I am. I just wasn't reading what he was saying. <laughs> uh, young teams are tearing it up. Not saying there's no place for bets, but someone in the front office has got to get on board with the evolution of the game. It's passing by a St. Louis with every passing season. Uh, keep doing what you've been doing. You're going to keep getting what you get. Uh, and this is kind of our last question, so we can go as long or as short as we want on this. But uh, I was listening to the 31 Thoughts podcast, and... Uh, Elliot Friedman's co-host, who, forgive me, I cannot think of the name of at the moment, uh, made this really... Jeff th- Merrick. Is that it? it? There you go. So, Thank yeah. you. Uh, made this really valuable analogy that I really liked, um, which uh, kind of correlated to when I've talked about us, the, the blues soup, which is my favorite self-made analogy. But That's very good. He was talking about how there are basically two kinds of art. And he, he was differentiating art, which is painting, art like painting, which is art by oh, addition. Oh, I like this one, yeah. Uh, so you have a blank canvas and you add stuff to it and it's art by addition, right? You make the art by adding things. And then he contrasted that from sculpture, which is art by subtraction, where, you know, the the Michelangelo's David was a much bigger block of stone that was just square at one point, and then he subtracted to find the art underneath. Um, and I forget who he was talking about. Maybe Ottawa, some one of those teams, New York, Buffalo, somewhere. But uh, might have been the Islanders. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he was, you know, he was saying that teams needs needs to do art by subtraction more than they need to do art by addition, uh, and I think to Usposesa's point, or however it's pronounced, I'm sincerely, <laughs> sincerely sorry, um, but I think, uh, I think the Blues need both at the at the least, and I wouldn't be opposed to saying they need art by subtraction more at the moment. Um, yeah. And you're welcome to disagree. You don't have to agree with that. But I, I I, do think the way the season ended, we forgot how dead set at the deadline we were on subtracting guys like Bergwind and Saboka and Steen. And I, and I do think 
I, you know, we can't necessarily get rid of all those guys in one summer. Uh, and, you know, Army was pretty blunt about the fact that guys like Gunnarsson and Bowmeister are just going to be here next year because they're hurt and old <laughs> and nobody can, nobody's going to trade for them, which he like, basically said like in as many he, words. Uh, I like how he didn't do anything like, and by the way, we value these players. Yeah, he yeah. just said, well, we can't get rid of them. What do you want me to do? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Uh, but, like, um, so all of that is to say, the Blues have a, a dual task. I guess I, I don't want to say they, they need to do art by subtraction primarily, but they do have a dual task ahead of them, which is not just adding John Tavares, obviously, or whoever they can actually add Mike Hoffman, Max Pacioretty, whoever. Um, but they have to also trim the fat in the right places and figure out who fit this system, what the system's going to be, uh, whether it's Mike Yo's system or it's somebody else's system. Um, and yeah, they do need to get faster. I don't, you know, and I think some of that is naturally happening with Robert Thomas coming up and Jordan Cairo coming up. There's going to be higher skill on the team with some of that stuff. Uh, Tarasenko, Schwartz, Shen, much faster options than Bacchus Brower and, you know, Steen or Oshie or Bergwind or whoever. But <laughs> the list um, goes on. There's this concept, and I'll shut up and let you talk, but uh, there's this concept that John Mazalak, the Cardinals GM, talks a lot about, which is natural tur- natural churn mm-hmm. is what he talks about, and it's kind of the, the sense of, like, we let Lance Lynn walk this season, not because Lance Lynn uh, is, is necessarily less valuable than the five pitchers we have right now, but because, you know, it, it was time to bring in a new face and, you know, have Lance Lynn's face leave the locker room. And he really believes in that. And I, and I think the Blues haven't allowed a lot of that to happen. I think they've, you know, they... It's happened in the sense that, like, Bacchus left and Brower left. But that's not as much of a churn as, like, a, you know, pouring out and yeah. starting over. <laughs> um, and I think maybe they need a little more of that. So I'll shut up and let you address this question. I think, I think our back end has churned a little bit more with a, a Jackman leaving and yeah. a, a Pareko and Edmondson sort of coming through. But the the front end, the forwards, I mean, Lord, other than like this last year where we've kind of thrown Barbashev and uh, Tage Thompson and those guys in, Blay, all these other people, I think, what, Yaskin is maybe the guy that's, like, come in from our minors and stayed here, yeah. even then to underwhelming results. Yeah, I would say it's the addition by subtraction deal where it's like we gotta, we sort of have to get rid of some guys before we can figure out what we need. But after they're gone, unless we're, unless we're giving our garbage to some GM, Peter Shirelli, who then, <laughs> get, who then gives us much better stuff, I think it's, yeah, it's a two-pronged attack of sort of maybe getting assets from that trade, from a trading a Berglund or a Saboka, mm-hmm. and then using those assets to move up and get a, a better player with them, package them with some yeah. lesser prospects. But I think actually on that 31 Thoughts thing too, they were talking about you have to kind of figure out you don't want to be a 500 team. you got to figure out are you gonna? Are you just gonna start selling and be a crappier team because at least then you're getting the assets and the picks? Or are you gonna go for it? And they were talking about the Islanders because they're like, you got John Tavares here. You haven't done squat mm-hmm. like this summer. Like if you don't, if you resign them, you better sign other people because you need to go for it. And if you don't resign them, you better just start selling because you got to start all the way over. Mm-hmm. And when I sit and think about the Blues, I don't want them to be five hundred. 
I've said before that I think they're closer to a rebuild than they are to the cup. Um, I This might be the first time where I actually kind of feel a little different. I think maybe they're not necessarily close to the cup, but with what they have, they should try and go for it more mm. than sit back and go, oh, we need some more time to think about it. I think you've got prospects that need some time to learn, but you can put them in and hope that they work. Yeah, I think maybe... If that fails over the course of a year or two, I don't know what our prospect pool looks like then, if you can keep doing that natural churn. But if you can't and there's a wide gap there Mm -hmm. and things just aren't working out, then you decide, okay, we're out of it. Yeah. And I think to that point, enhancing what you're not enhancing, but, you know. Yeah, adding to. Adding to what you said. I think along the same lines, you you have to do things. This exactly. Summer. Oh my God. If we just sit and do absolute, like just a little thing here, basically a Paul Stasny signing. And I don't know. I'll say like Paul Stasny signing and like Pat Maroon. Yeah. Not enough. I doubt yeah. not enough. Uh, JR in his mailbag this week talked about like a realistic scenario. And it was something like trading for Mike Hoffman signing like, Tyler Bozak and bringing oh. up Robert Thomas, and I was just like that. I would, I would drown myself. Robert Thomas is the most season. interesting part of those right. three. And like, I love Robert. I'm really excited yeah, about yeah. Robert, Robert Thomas, but I don't want him to be the thing I'm most excited about next season. Mm. Right? Because at that point, do just rebuild, like rebuild with him, but just rebuild, like start a rebuild process mm-hmm. where he's your 19 year old center face of the franchise. Right? But like. You have to make decisions. You have to decide if you want Bergwin, Steen, and Saboka here long time. You have to long term. You have to decide how you're going to structure your top six and who's going to be in it. And I, you know, you he can't make five trades, you know, and three free agent signings and and promote four prospects this summer. I get it, but like, if if if. If he doesn't make, I would say, four to five, he being Armstrong, significant moves, you know, and by significant, I mean more significant than, like, I'm re-signing Dimitri Askin or I'm adding, like, you know, Bo Bennett. We've extended Chris Thorburn. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to consider this offseason a failure, and he's going to be on the red-hot seat in my eyes, maybe not in ownership's eyes, but in my eyes, entering next season you know he will have everything to prove to me and 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 I've tried to to bide with Armstrong I think I've been a little more patient with Armstrong than a lot of fans um who are understandably bitter mm-hmm. but I uh I think I've been a little more patient with him so yeah I mean I just think that's that's the excitement but also the tension of this offseason is will he do enough will yeah. there be enough movement and that's what we get to look forward to kind of like you said hopefully it has some sort of direction yes and the immortal words of Bono we're hanging on you're all that's left to hold on to and I'm still waiting that was bringing it full circle back to Red Hill Mining Town by you two off the where fan- we're at fantastic album the joshua tree which we are celebrating here in our luxurious studios uh <laughs> do you have anything else to add before we no get out of here i mean it's not really a dead time because the playoffs are happening yeah. but it is kind of a weird time where i don't think until maybe well what is it next saturday so a week from this upcoming saturday is the draft lottery so that'll be interesting 
Because the Blues be number one, baby. Because the Blues are getting Rasmus Dahlin for sure. Like, that would just change everything. You'd just oh, lose yeah. your mind. Do whatever you want. Like <laughs> we've reshaped the franchise. Yeah. Um, so that's a two. even if we got like a number two or three. I'd oh, be like huh? What? What? Um, as a Brady Kachuk, baby. As a little te- <laughs> as a little teaser, this draft is like chock full of really good defensemen. Uh-huh. Now, granted, oh, I guess we kind of need that actually in our prospect pool. I'll, I was going to say maybe we'd take a forward, but we need defensemen. Either way, that's coming up a week from this Saturday. Then it's not really all that much going on. We can do some prospect talk as we move closer towards the draft, which mm-hmm. is late June, and then obviously July first. It kind of hits bam bam with the free agency. Um, so we'll, I think we'll slowly be moving towards more sort of prospect talk as time goes on, yeah. barring any ginormous things happening in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I know that someone brought up in the Reddit thread, uh, a prospect pyramid, which I think is dope. I think yeah. it's awesome. I think we'll definitely do that and we can kind of figure out what holes this could, franchise kind of needs to fill. We could do one before and after the draft too. Oh yeah, you know, which for would be sure. Interesting. Uh, yeah. And I think just to, to touch on that before we do sign off uh i think for now our plan is to i guess record for thursdays at least yeah. in the playoffs and and episodes maybe longer or shorter i thought this one was going to be half an hour and we've been here for an hour and a half plus so uh <laughs> they'll, they'll probably we talk vary a wide. lot yeah. folks <laughs> yeah the time the time will vary wide, widely we'll just take uh take our licks for that in advance <laughs> but yeah i mean i think we're gonna have a fun off season full of different concepts and you've given us lots of great concepts on oh, yeah. Reddit and Twitter so far. Feel free Keep to send coming. us more. Um, and then we've got lots of fun projects and things that we want to work on. We mentioned some of this last week, but we want to work on to make the podcast 10 times better mm-hmm. moving into next year uh, because we really love doing it. So we'd like just a regular studio where we're not moving every <laughs> single every single week to various yeah, locales. Like if we had a bedroom somewhere, mm-hmm. even if it was as simple as that with like a card table set up, it'd be dope. Yeah, it's um, a pain in the ass to be in the Titanic. It really is. It's not a great. It's pretty cold. Too. I mean, it's real cold. No even one? the one in Branson has been cold this week. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So lots of things like that. Uh, uh, so yeah, so this the season may be over for Blues fans, but we hope that your season of the Two Guys No Cup podcast will not end, and that you will stick with us uh, and let us know what you want to hear about on Twitter. Give us pop culture yeah. topics too. Give us anything. We tell your fr- family. Tell your friends. Smash that like button. <laughs> Hit that subscribe button. Uh, yeah, that's all I've got to say. Yeah. I have no more Bono quotes. Peace and love. Peace and love to all of you. Oh, he did it. Thank you. <laughs> I, that's not a quote oh, it's not? directly, but I'm sure he says it a lot. Oh, I'm sure that's what he uh, says every day. You have anything to add? Oh, no. Good. We better shut up before we just keep going forever. Thank you for tuning in, everyone, and good night. Bye-bye.